Okay, is everybody ready to get started? Okay, anybody that needs an outline, does everybody have an outline? Okay, we have one right here that needs an outline, two. Okay, how about uh, Merrill, if you keep your hands raised. Yeah, we have quite a few, actually. Yeah, and then there's a bunch down here, Merrill, too. Okay, uh, first question I wanted to ask you all, there's one up there. Okay, we need to get all these out, these outlines. Okay, how many were not here last week? It's important for me to know. How many were not here last week? Okay, so there's a number, okay, because I'm going to review a little bit of what Chris shared last week. This is Jubilee 2, last week was Jubilee 1. And um, so I wanna make sure we're all together when we get into this subject matter. And what Chris shared last week, which I felt was extremely helpful, was why do we even have this thing called the Jubilee? Why was it necessary for God to put this as a provision in Leviticus 25? And the reason is this, is because certain of the Israelites, when they fell on hard times, they had to sell their portion of the land uh, because they got in debt. And then some of them, even it got to the point that they fell on harder times and they even had to sell themselves into slavery. So, you know, the portion of the land was a big thing to the Israelites because this was the portion that God gave them in the good land when they crossed over the river Jordan and entered into the good land. So it was a big thing to sell that portion of the land. And it was an even bigger thing to, to sell yourself into slavery. They had, had to leave, you had to leave your family, leave your children, sell yourself into slavery. And so God had a provision in the word, and that's in Leviticus, right at the top, Leviticus 25.10. I think it would be good for us to read this, okay? Ready, go. Okay, and the word jubilee, listen to this, it means two things, a time of shouting and a time of trumpeting the ram's horn. Now, you know, I grew up in the Jewish religion, so I got to actually hear the ram's horn when I was younger, uh, but I bet most of you all have never heard the ram's horn. Uh, in other words, we just, you know, I'm just reading this, the time of trumpeting of the ram's horn, but like, what's the ram's horn? So I'm going to show you right now the trumpeting of the ram's horn. That's a, probably a Jewish rabbi, and he's going to... Okay, 
<laughs> Jubilee! <laughs> okay, so, okay, three things, there's three things here with the Jubilee, and I want you to write these down, and then I'm going to ask some of y'all to stand up and repeat them. Okay, number one, returning to your possession. That's the first thing that happened. You return to your possession. Okay, then number two, if you were enslaved, you regained your freedom. That's number two, regaining of your freedom. And then number three, you return to your family. So three things. You return to your possession, you regained your freedom, and you return to your family. This is the structure of what happened in the Jubilee. Okay, so we'll start with Jason. Jason, stand up and shout Jubilee and then tell us the three things. <laughs> okay, you gotta turn around and tell, you know, turn around and shout Jubilee. <laughs> Jubilee! <Yeah. laughs> That's almost as good as the ram's horn. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Very good. Okay. So, uh, what about Andrew? Tidge, why don't you stand up? You got to stand and really shout Jubilee, Tidge. Jubilee! All right. Okay, go ahead. Tell us the three things. Okay, but you push out your spirit a little more. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, number two, um, you regain your freedom. Yeah. So you come back out of slavery. Yeah. And then number three, you return to your family. Very good. Okay, now do we have a bold Jubilee sister? You know, I, I don't want to pick you, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Allie there could do a good job. Come on. All, all, Allie can do a good job. I know you can, Allie. Now you got to look at them and, and shout Jubilee as loud as you can. Jubilee! Yeah, all right. Okay, then tell us the three things with the Jubilee. Number one, we get to return to our possessions. Amen. Number two, we regain our freedom. Yes. Number three, we return to our family. Very good. Okay, so this was all, thank you, this was all an Old Testament type. In other words, yes, they did return to their possession, the land, but it was just a type of returning to our true possession, which is God. And then... Return and then being free, set free from what? Sin. And then returning to our family, the church. And we'll read, we'll get into some verses here in a minute, but I just want you to realize that this is a picture, a type of the real Jubilee in the New Testament. How do we know it is? Because in Luke chapter 4, when the Lord Jesus had just been tempted by the devil in Luke chapter 4, and he begins his New Testament ministry, he walks into a synagogue in Nazareth and they hand him a scroll and he opens the scroll and it's there at Isaiah 61 and, he, and I'm going to read it to you. It's not on your sheet. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to announce the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim re release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to send away and release those who are oppressed. Now catch this next line. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee. So he stood up and he said, today 
this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So eventually, the real jubilee is just Christ himself coming to bring man back to God, to release man from sin, and to bring man back to his family, the church. Okay, so we're in the age of jubilee now. I mean, I know most of us, we call this the age of grace, but we are really in the age of jubilee. And if you look at that in Roman number one, it says the freedoms and blessings of the jubilee. Okay, let's all read A together. Ready? Go. Right. I mean, the land was just a picture. It was a type, but the real possession is God himself. And uh, then we have that verse there. And I just want you to realize the kind of the context of this verse in Acts 26. In this verse, Paul was speaking to King Agrippa in Acts 26. And he was giving his testimony of how he got called by the Lord. And right before 2618, it, it says this, the Lord is speaking to him in his testimony saying, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles to whom I send you. So the very verse that's right before 18 is, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. And then it tells you, tells you why he's being sent. Okay, let's read 2618a. Ready, go. Okay, to turn them from darkness to light and from the authority of Satan to God. Paul was proclaiming the Jubilee to bring man back to God as his possession. Okay, then B, it says releasing man from slavery under sin, Satan, and the world. And Romans 6, 6, this is a good verse to know. It says, knowing this, that our old man has been crucified with him in order that, and you finish the verse. Right, okay, so knowing this, our old man has been crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be annulled and that we should no longer serve sin as slaves. Then in C, restoring man to his divine family, the household of God. Let's read Ephesians 2.19. Ready? Go. Okay, you were once a stranger. You were once a sojourner. But now you're a fellow citizen and you're a member of the household of God. So you see the three things we've been brought back to? Number one, God. Number two, freedom from sin. And number three, we're brought back to our family, which is the church. Okay, then in, in Roman numeral two, it talks about God's salvation causing us to have the real freedom. You know, in my generation, you know, which was the late 60s, early 70s, there was a lot of talk about freedom. And uh, we're free from the system, we're free from this, we're free from that. And I can testify that those people, they were shouting freedom, but they were in bondage inside. Because the real freedom comes from God himself. Only as you're filled with the enjoyment of God do you have the real freedom. So let's read uh, John 8.36 under A. Ready, go. Therefore, the Son sets you free. You shall be free. 
Oh, if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And, uh, you know, anything, you think about it, anything in our life can be a bondage. Anything. Okay, so I don't know any about your, anything about your situation, so if I use an example, it's not that I'm thinking about you. <laughs> but, you know, some people, they get a new car, and uh, they just are so proud of that car, and they're taking care of that car, and they're waxing it, and they're make, shining it, and making it beautiful. And then, because they're so in bondage to that car that when they drive into a parking lot, they don't park in a space between the two lines. They straddle the lines and make sure there's no car on the left and no car on the right. That's bondage. That's real bondage right there. Okay? When Christ came, he came to free us from bondage. Okay, then what about this? You know, I don't know, sisters, I'm not meaning this at you, but I'm just thinking about looking at the mirror in the morning. What's it like in the morning? Hey, hey, your name's Hannah? Yes. How much time do you spend in front of the mirror in the morning? Um, actually, not that much. Well, you're not in bondage. You're free. <laughs> How about, now, Kareen, I know Kareen. I'm not going to ask you how long, but I just want you to think about how long do you spend in front of the mirror? You know, Carrie has four girls. Where's Carrie at? See he here? He's got four girls. Carrie, how can you even get in the bathroom? <laughs> Bondage. Bondage. Okay, and may, may, maybe that's not, that, maybe that doesn't fit your description. Maybe shoes fit your description. Okay, now listen. I know because I have a 19-year-old girl. She's at, she's at uh, Emory. And I know when, when she was growing up, we'd be, you know, I'd have her in the shopping cart and we'd be going through Target. All she wanted was to look at the shoes. Different colors, different styles, everything. I mean, like, now, now that she's on Amazon, I'm scared to look at Amazon. <laughs> the amount of shoes that she buys and then then it's boots and then it's special rain apparel and then it's this and that it's like I didn't know there were this many shoes that's bondage I'm not against shoes I'm not against having nice shoes but eventually many things very normal things in our human life just become bondage to us and when you enjoy Christ it's not like now okay I'm not going to buy shoes anymore that's not what I'm talking about what I'm talking about is we need to make the decision, Hannah. We need to enjoy the Lord. And when you make that decision to enjoy the Lord, you will be free. Because look at that next verse there. Okay, how about sisters read 2 Corinthians 3.17. Ready? Go. Oh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Okay, and then how about brothers on Isaiah 55.1? I think we sang it before the meeting. Ready, go. Oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come by me. Yes, come by the wine and milk, without money and without price. Okay, our focus should not be the bondage. Okay, this is what I'm trying to say. Our focus should not be oh man, I'm in bondage to this, I'm in bondage to that. Our focus should not be that. Our focus should be come, buy and eat. 
Our focus should be on the enjoyment of Christ. Eventually, if our focus is on the enjoyment of Christ, not the problems, not the things that keep us down, but the enjoyment of Christ, you will be free. If the sun sets you free, you'll be really free. Okay, then, could we all read number three together? Ready? Go. Okay, and then, of course, the verse there. Let's read the verse, 8-2. Ready? Go. It's the same thing, but let's read it. For the law of the Spirit of life has freed me in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and of death. Okay, so here are my keys. What happens if I let go of my keys? Gravity. Okay, it just pulls things down. That's what the law of sin is and the sin and death in our being is. It's just like the law of gravity, it pulls, pulls us down into so many things that we don't want to be and be involved with. But the law of sin is there pulling us, pulling us down. But we have to realize in order to overcome the law of sin and death, we need a higher law. Okay, and that higher law is the law of the spirit of life within our spirit. Okay. So here's the problem. We do. We have the law of the spirit of life in our spirit. But when something comes up that's going to kind of bring us down, instead of using our spirit, you know what we do? We use our strong will. Okay, so, okay, brother, I forgot your name. Jackson, Jackson come on up. Okay, now, you know, I picked Jackson because he looks like a pretty strong guy. Okay, are you a pretty strong guy, Jackson? I okay, I need a. <laughs> okay, now I need a heavy backpack. Who's got a heavy backpack? Nathaniel, bring Nathaniel. Where's Nathaniel? Yeah, bring it down. Yeah, bring it down. Okay. Okay, now, whoa. I mean, can, can you even lift it up? I mean, can you just, with one hand, lift it up like that? Okay, okay, now, okay, can you, can you keep it up? Probably not, but... Okay, we'll just try, okay. This is us using... Oh, that's a good illustration. This is us trying to overcome the law of sin and death by our own willpower. Okay, in other words, this thing's heavy. How about, let's use, how about, let, let's see. Uh, yeah, one that's a little lighter, yeah. Okay, let's see this. Let's see how. Wow, you got. Okay, give me one of the sisters, man. Okay. <laughs> Is this one heavy? Yeah, but I'm. Oh, you're taking the heaviness out. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's not bad. Okay. All right, so Jackson. Okay, yeah. Now just put it out like this. Okay, and I'm, as I'm talking, you just keep it there. Okay, so this is you when some type of sin comes up. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to buy that. I'm not going to look at that. And you're just there struggling, struggling, using your will. <laughs> See, he's struggling now, right? <laughs> you know, using your will to... Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you. I think you guys got the idea, okay? That, that, thank you. Okay, that right there... That's us trying to overcome the law of sin and death by our own willpower. 
that's a perfect illustration there. Okay, but there is another law within us called the law of the spirit of life. And what we need to do is switch that law on and get into the transmission of that law of the spirit of life, and there'll be an overcoming. You know, a good illustration of this is in a junkyard. So you're in a junkyard, and they have this big thing called an electron magnet. And this thing, you know, it kind of pulls over. Why don't we, why don't we show the electron magnet now? Okay, so there it is right there. Yeah. Okay, keeps going. Okay, now. Okay, let's go. Keep, keep watching this. Do you think it has any problem lifting up that metal? No, no, none whatsoever. Because, you want me to tell you why? Because the electricity's on. And that magnet is so much stronger than that metal. But as soon as the operator turns off the electricity, what happens to the metal? Falls down, okay? This shows us that with us, we do have this power, this transmission within us, but we have to learn how to flip the switch. And that means that we have to learn how to exercise the deepest part of our being, which is our spirit. Now listen to this. There might be some among us, I know there's a number of freshmen here, and you might be meeting with certain uh, upperclassmen, maybe even some of the staff, and uh, they're all happy. And they're really into the stuff, and you're not. And you might even have to fake it a little bit like you're happy, but... So, you, you know that you're just not there. And uh, you're wondering, what's going on? How come all the staff, all the upperclassmen, they're really into this and I'm not? Okay, let me tell you something. The day that you discover your human spirit is the day you will have a magnificent change in your life. It's almost, I mean... I would say this, you know, when you think of discovery, what, what are some of the great discoveries that people have made on the earth? Just name some. America. Okay, America. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Texas, Chris. <laughs> okay, give me some other great discoveries. Fire. What? Fire. Fire, okay. What, else, what other discoveries? How about like pen penicillin? Okay, what else? Air conditioning. Oh, yes, air conditioning. What were you going to say? DNA sequencing. DNA sequencing. Very good. What did you say, Will? Electricity. Okay. Great discoveries. And I, I believe that, you know, like, you know, when he's there in the lab, Edison, and he's checking out all those filaments, and how many thousand filaments he had to go through, and then he found that one filament of tungsten, and that light bulb started shining. What do you think he felt like? That changed, that changed the course of history when he found that element, right? Let me tell you something. When you find your spirit and you learn how to exercise your spirit, it changes your course of history. And I mean this, brothers. We have to be people that know how to switch on our spirit, how to exercise our spirit. And when you do this, you enter into another realm and you get into the transmission of the law of the spirit of life. Now, the question is, okay, okay, that's still somewhat ethereal to me, like, exercise your spirit. I, I mean, I don't know how to exercise my spirit. It sounds good, but I'm still out of it. Okay, 
Let's take a look at that uh, verse under 3C. I'm sorry. Yeah, 3C. Let's uh, read the, the, uh, the little caption there for 3C. Ready? Go. The best way to switch on this law is to call on the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, then read Romans 10, 12b. Ready? Go. Okay, now, I just ask you, okay, sister, I forgot your name. What's your name? Sarah. Sarah, okay, Sarah, just based on that verse, if you want the Lord to be rich to you, what do you need to do? Based on that verse, what is it? Call upon him. That's right. You want him to be rich, you call upon him. I mean, you think about it, all of us, we're all believers in this room. Don't you want the Lord to be rich, Corrine? I want the Lord to be rich to me. And there's a verse in the Bible that says, if you call on him, he will be rich to you. And then you might say, well, I don't know, I'm still kind of struggling with that a little bit. Well, there's another verse that I didn't put on there, but it's 2 Timothy 2.22. Let me tell you what it says. It says, flee youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, and love with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So it says, flee all the negative things. Pursue all the positive things, but not alone, with those. And what are those doing? Calling upon the name of the Lord. Okay, so we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're getting into the lab tonight. In other words, I don't want to just give you the doctrine of the law of the spirit of life. I really want you guys to experience it. Okay, so let's just now just bow your head, and, and we're going to do this individually, not corporately, just individually. I want you to, not loudly either, just deeply, I want you to bow your head and say, Lord Jesus, like that, three times. Ready? One, two, three, go. Okay, okay, that was good. Now what I want you to do is with a partner. I want you to call the Lord together with a partner. Okay, so Jackson, you got a partner there? Jason, you got a partner? Okay. The brothers aren't even waiting. Okay, uh, you know what? This is one of the easiest ways to touch your spirit, exercise, and get the discovery. And I would say this, if still you feel like, well, I did that, but I didn't really touch that much. This is what I would encourage you to do, is go to the Lord tonight and tell the Lord, Lord, I have not made this discovery yet. I need to make the discovery. I don't want my life to be the same as it's been for for the next four years at UT. I want to have this discovery that I have a spirit and that I can exercise my spirit and I can turn on the heavenly transmission. I'll tell you, brothers, when I, you know, as I mentioned before, uh, I, w- I had gotten saved as a Jew by myself. I prayed in my room. Christ came into me. But then after, just after a short period of time, I just did not know how to contact the Lord. And I did crazy things like Christmas time, which is coming up. I, w- I was living in, uh, I was, you know, back home from school. I was in Boston, Massachusetts. And I went downtown to the Salvation Army downtown. 
And, and I, I, one of my brothers was with me, and we took these drunks out to lunch at the Salvation Army. Because, see, you don't understand. I know it sounds funny, but I was so desperate. How do you touch the Lord? How do you contact the Lord? And, and I, I felt like there was something there. I enjoyed something, but it was just like I had no idea. It's, it's like... It's like Columbus discovering America. Before that, is men wanted to, you know, uh, there was going to be a mutiny on the ship and everything like that. But when they discovered America, everything changed. The game changed completely. Okay, so <laughs> the brothers invited me to come in and be, visit a place in Houston that's kind of like Seasock. And uh, I was in Baton Rouge at the time. And uh, so we got into, this was like, this was uh, 19... 72. So you have to understand, this was before oil embargo. I mean, you know, I could get gas for 36 cents a gallon, believe it or not. Yes. And that was high. Okay. And uh, the cars they made these huge, like we got into this Pontiac Bonneville. And I mean, you could get seven people into this car and it was just like comfortable, you know, with seven people. So I'm getting with these people and one of the guys outside the door says, praise the Lord. And man, my first reaction is, oh no, man, I'm with a bunch of holy rollers. <laughs> I, I just thought, that is so weird. When I heard that, I mean, praise the Lord. I never heard that my whole life. And this guy comes up to me and says, praise the Lord. I, I mean, what do you think? It's just, it just, Jackson, when you first heard somebody say that, what did you think? Uh, I don't know what to think. <laughs> Okay, so listen, on the, way, on the way to Houston, we're driving from Baton Rouge to Houston, the brothers taught me how to call on the Lord, just like we practice tonight. And I'm telling you, we, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating, we called on the Lord the whole way from Baton Rouge to Houston. And you talk about making a discovery. It was serious. It, it was like, I think it was like the good, Goodyear blimp was floating into that meeting hall. I mean, I was so filled with Christ, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was so real. And, and I, I, I just, I mean, you could have said boo and I would have got filled with the Spirit. I was so, <laughs> so much in the enjoyment. Okay, then, then the next day, you know, we, we went to the church property there, and, and, and we were doing all these church services, and one of them was to cut the lawn. So, you know, I, I was the brother in the middle with the lawnmower, and I was pushing the lawnmower. And, okay, then I need Jason and Aaron, come on up here. Okay. Okay, now this is the way we did it. This sounds really corny, but I tell you, I really saw something in this. So here's Jason on my left side while I'm pushing the lawnmower. Here's, here's Aaron on the right side. Hey, let's, let's go down and uh, start calling the Lord, Aaron. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Go ahead. Oh, oh Lord Jesus. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Okay, did you ever cut the lawn calling on the Lord? I cut the lawn calling on the Lord. Okay, then we, we left that time of service. It was short, maybe an hour or something like that. And I remember... We went to this gas station, and I said, I am so filled up, I couldn't believe it. Cut, and what did I just do? I cut the lawn. And I was shocked. And it was just calling on the Lord. I learned the switch. And I listen, I was so changed that weekend, that one weekend, 
that I would, when I went back to Baton Rouge, I would say, okay, I'm going to practice now calling on the Lord. So I remember one day I was in my room, and I, and I didn't feel that close to the Lord. So I said, okay, I'm going to practice. So I went, Lord Jesus, nothing happened. Then I did it again. Lord Jesus, nothing happened. Then the third time, Lord Jesus, and I sensed the flow within. And I would practice calling on the Lord. Grant, you have to try it. You have to try it, Grant. If you want that flow of life, you practice calling on the Lord. Deep within, Lord Jesus. And you'll make the greatest discovery in mankind, and that's to find your spirit. And, and I would practice. I would practice. I would just... You know, I, I remember, I, I mean, this sounds really corny. It's all corny, but it's so romantic. I mean, being with the Lord, it's just a big divine romance, and you're just getting to know this person, and you're loving this person. It's so enjoyable. So uh, one day I was just so out of it, and I was in a restaurant, and I went to use the restroom, and I said, okay, I'm going to practice, and I started calling, Lord Jesus. You know, I'm not loud. People aren't hearing me out in the restaurant being crazy, you know, but I just I started practicing. Lord Jesus, and I did it again, Lord Jesus, and, and again, I sensed the flow within of Christ. Brothers, it is a great discovery to find your human spirit and learn how to exercise it. You know what? If you get anything from these four years, even being with Seasock, you have to touch and learn to find your spirit. Because listen, I know the brothers, I know a lot of the ones that are on staff, they got tons of stuff to share with you from the Bible. Divine romance, you know, they, they're just experts. They can do better than I can do the divine romance, starting in Genesis, going to Revelation. And, you know, the brothers and sisters, I don't know if you heard this, they use this thing called GenRev. You know what GenRev is? You start in Genesis and you finish in Revelation, and they just go through the whole Bible on any type of topic. We've got some experts among us. If you don't find your spirit, I don't care how much you learn from the Bible. You missed it. You must find your human spirit. You must learn how to exercise it, how to switch on, how to get into the heavenly transmission. All the knowledge, as good as it is, will not get you forward one inch until you find your spirit. You must find your human spirit. Then once you do, once you find your human spirit, Rachel, once you find it, let me tell you something, it's a game changer. Everything changes. Everything becomes real. All the divine things become real to you. You substantiate all, the re all these things. You know, it says, you know, what is faith? Faith is the substantiating of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. And so how do we exercise faith? When we exercise our spirit, it's called a spirit of faith. We begin to substantiate all the real things that are there in the Bible. So I would just say this. If you can get anything from this sharing, to have the jubilee, to enjoy the jubilee, to return to your portion, to be free from sin, and to come back to your family, you must find your spirit. You must find your spirit and exercise your spirit and make that discovery. And I believe some of you have. I, I'm not speaking in a way like I don't believe you have. I believe a number of you have. But if you're struggling and you just sense, well, they're good people and they have good teaching, but I'm not that excited about the stuff they're in. Okay. 
Go to the Lord tonight. I charge you, go to the Lord tonight and say, Lord, help me find my spirit and practice calling on the Lord. It will change you. Jacob, you know, I just, I've just gotten to know you just this semester a little bit. It will change you if you find your spirit. All the knowledge from the Bible will never change you as much as finding your spirit, learning how to exercise your spirit, and learning how to switch on. And I just picked that one verse. I mean, there's another one. You might want to write this down. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 3. And in that verse, it says, No man can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now say that again. No man can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so again, we're going to practice with our partner, and we're going to say, Jesus is Lord, with your being. Do it from here. Jesus is Lord, okay? You ready? Do it three times. Ready? One, two, three, go. Okay, okay, so... Yeah. Okay. We ran out of time, but Roman rule four is you need to have a living in the Jubilee. And uh, that's just a life of enjoying Christ. And, you know, we have that little song, always rejoice, unceasingly pray and everything give thanks. So why don't we sing that song and we'll stop here. Okay. Ready? Go. Carrie, where's Carrie? Can you do rounds? Let's get going. Come on down and we'll get it. Do it at rounds. Yeah. Always rejoice, unceasingly pray. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. Okay. Good. So I will, we'll start here, and then I'll cue you when you come in, and we'll just sing the whole thing. Okay, ready? Always rejoice. Always rejoice. And everything give thanks for this is the will of God. Okay, uh, so brothers, what should we do now, Chris? Yeah, why don't we break up into little groups? Uh, I think we still have a little time. And just overflow with one another what you enjoyed from this sharing on the Jubilee. And then maybe we'll come back and, and have a kind of a big overflow. But go ahead and break up into groups now. Yeah.